Hello everyone, this is uh, Justin. This is Sean. It's the Dot Matrix, uh, episode 64. I was going to say it in a way that it would pause for like intro music and then come back, <laughs> but we don't do it that way, so <laughs> I had to keep talking. But you did do a little pause? A tiny, tiny. Oh, I'm sure we could figure something out later. <laughs> well, I think about like, I've been listening to lots of podcasts lately, and so I, I keep being, thinking the different styles, like... The Daily with the New York Times, they'll say something and then they'll do a little theme music or on the media. And I, I keep listening to uh, the Alec Baldwin one still, you know, and it's, uh, um, they all have variations on a theme, you know, like, but uh, not that we're at that echelon or anything. But. Well, thanks for turning me on to the On the Media podcast. Oh, it's so good. Uh, one of the best podcasts out there, I would say. And um, I, I've been listening to a lot, too. I've been listening to a lot of Canada Land. Mm. Shout out to Jesse Brown, um, <laughs> which we will tag him on. Um, really insightful episodes of his podcast, Shortcuts. And um, uh, the, I've been listening to a little Power and Politics, the CBC podcast. Oh, they have a podcast? I didn't they know that. do, yeah. Oh. Uh, I've been listening to Democracy Now, of course. Mm. Uh, what the fuck? And um, oh yes, yeah. I haven't gotten into that, although people say good things about that one. You know, I think it's uh, it's an. I mean, um, Mark Maron's great, but he he's got a style that I think is acquired taste, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say same with Jesse Brown a little bit with Canada. I think we sure. talked about it before, right? Yeah, I I, I enjoy the podcast, but. Sometimes I get, and he even admits it to himself, like, I annoy people. If you want to donate <laughs> to my podcast to get me off the air, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. You know, and he, that's what I like about him. And I, I get that. Yeah. He puts it all out there and he's very honest. And I think that's really genuine. And yeah. He, he's self-deprecating a lot. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, I think I said this before, like, what I find just uh, why I haven't listened to it all that religiously is that, you know, he wants to make a point the yeah. whoever he's listening, he's interviewing says a different point and he summarizes what they said by making his point still when he, yeah and that didn't that isn't exactly at all what the other person had said right and usually people are like yeah yeah whatever <laughs> you know like, no, that's sure. what happened but um it's a good point but yeah no there's so i mean there's a hashtag going on called tripod or something these days like that I, every time I mean, mimi's just a hashtag that the new york times is trying to make a thing but mm -hmm. every time they talk about like all this month they're they're doing, you know, tell someone about a podcast that you like, that you listen to and hashtag it to, with tripod, you know, like trying, tripod. trying a podcast. Basically. Oh, yeah. I get T-R-Y-P-O-D. Yeah. Got it. Um, so I listen to the daily every day and I listen to every Wednesday. And the ones I religiously listen to is on the media, which is twice a week. Um, Alec Baldwin's, uh, when it comes out. Yeah. Um, a little bit more sporadically. The Daily Every Day of the New York Times. Um, Modern Love podcast every Wednesday. Hmm. Uh, this is also a New York Times podcast. And every so often when Michelle sort of gets me onto it, I'll, uh, I'll listen to um, By Any Means Necessary. Okay. Um, very progressive, you know, a socialist-based podcast. Yeah. In DC. Um, listen to that. 
but every so often, like, I can't listen to it so much because it, it uh, they have a perspective that they're so strong on, which is really great because you go deep into it, like that very socialist, you know, anti-capitalist perspective, which is, I think, an important voice. Uh, but I think you need to take it in certain doses and then you need to step away from it and then come back to it. Mm. So I, I tend to listen to it a lot for like about a week and then I need to take a break for a while and then yeah. come back to it. That's what I tend to do. But, Fair enough. Yeah. Huh. But On the Media had a really interesting one and you know, I was thinking about, I was going to tell Michelle about this, but I'll tell the uh, listeners out there at the same time. But, you know, with Michelle who's doing uh, her PhD on movement building and how do movements and movements come together who might not be the same who mm. might have everything that they agree upon uh but she's taking a narrative approach to that research so like storytelling and and so forth and i've always truly believed that when you know big things happen change happens when whoever is in a position to make change uh is driven by some personal experience right and so sure. uh, or, or a personal narrative right and uh I often talk about like the you know the registered uh, disability savings plan in Canada, you know came about primarily because the minister of finance at the time had triplets and one of them has a developmental disability, and mm. so knew the value of saving for the supports and services a child might need once they turn nineteen and they quote unquote age, age out of the system. Right. And uh, they talked about th- this whole thing about the Supreme Court, right? Because Neil Gorsuch in the States is now being vetted by the Senate committee for the position of the Supreme Court justice. And they're talking about uh, you know, the work of the Supreme Court on the most recent on the media. Um, and so everyone should listen to it. It's actually, and oh, they, I'd love it's to. It's really yeah. interesting. It came out yesterday or today. And it was a rebroadcast of excerpts of something they had done a year ago. And they talked about a particular Supreme Court judge who's, you know, particularly like get government away from the lives of Americans kind of thing. And a case came to him. I don't think it came to the Supreme Court. I think it was a, his own ruling, maybe. I, I don't know I, 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 if I recall this correctly, about sort of whether or not the right for parental leave uh, should be extended beyond uh, the public, public entities to, to private companies, whether the private company should be obliged to offer of parental leave right right and most of the people were thinking that that this particular supreme court judge would be totally against it because he's totally against um any kind of government intervention that goes beyond what is minimally necessary Mm. right like Mm -hmm. basically a very republican conservative kind of view small government small government but he ruled in favor of it Hmm. and the guy they were interviewing was sort of saying partly why that was so. It was completely surprising for everyone, and partly why it was surprising is because at that time he had a daughter who has was going through a very tough divorce, had two young daughters, so this judge's grandkids. Okay. And his daughter asked him, "Can you kind of leave the? Oh, he must be. He was in the Supreme Court because that's how the story goes. Can you leave the Supreme Court early on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays to pick up your grandkids from daycare or from school?" And it's, and they were talking about how he, as a judge, was also a human person, who mm. was also grandpa, mm. whatever, and and he tapped into his own personal narrative as mm. a grandfather, having a daughter going through a divorce and understanding the realities of, of uh, single parenthood in America, 
and how a law, if you look at it as a literalist or an originalist or whatever, you know, those conservative points of view about the, about the, the Constitution and stuff, and don't understand the human implications and the context in which those laws and decisions are made, uh, then what the point are you doing this, right? Like, that's yeah. most people who think the law in a more broader context, right? Right. And he did that. Like, he... he hmm. And I don't think it's written anywhere, right? But but it was a, it was a, actually... And the reason why that story came up is interesting about, like, the Supreme Court and culture. Like, how very seldom do you have the Supreme Court reflected in culture, in, in like, in movies, or you have a little bit, but not... Not much. Not about... So apparently this crazy opera about like Scalia and Dean Ginsburg or you know and, and how they go to the opera together or something it's an interesting thing they played an excerpt of it it was really funny and uh, but it was about them going to the opera not them about like deliberating at the Supreme Court right right and the, the I'm like you don't have to listen to the podcast I'm just basically telling you all about it now but <laughs> but there was a point here they said well the, that's, the, that's the problem because when you when you get to the Supreme Court the process of getting to the Supreme Court is about making things narrower and more narrow and more narrow, right? Yeah. Like, you have a certain law, and then they, 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 they get to a point where you they focus on such a specific part of the law and whether that it's right or wrong or it's this side or that side. That's what happens when you get to the Supreme Court. You narrow it down, mm. uh, which makes it so not a great subject for art because art and culture is about expanding your horizons. Right? Yeah. It's about expanding your perspective. Uh, challenging you and so if art's about expansion and the supreme court deliberations are about narrowing down like no wonder why it doesn't quite work that way right? it's, it's not a great subject for the arts right? mm. anyways we totally got off track but that's that, that's the relates on the media podcast. maybe i should i should probably send a link because we will yeah we, we will, will post at a certain point and it we might not be easy to find yeah and i should probably listen to that daily new york times one too it's really interesting because it came from Michael Barbaro was doing the podcast, uh, I forget what it was called, it was during the election, right? It's all about the election. And then after the election was over, they kept it on for a little bit. And, and I kind of listened to it a little bit, but I was getting sick and tired of the election coverage kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like too much politicking. But they, it's actually an interesting compliment to the New York Times. I have a digital subscription and you read stories and they, they talk to the reporters who, who do the stories. They... They enliven it a little bit more. Uh, it's a nice compliment to what you read, you know? right? So yeah, yeah. It's 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 Monday to Friday, and uh, um, it's actually quite good. Yeah. Pardon, I'm just saying I know yesterday was food. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> it's uh, live podcasting. It's life happening as we speak. Um. Yeah, I totally got to get on to some new podcasts. I've got my five or six. Um, I, I, sometimes I listen to a wine podcast from uh, Terry David Mulligan, of all people. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How we know him from much music years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's been, I don't know how long he's been doing the wine thing, but he often will uh, actually broadcast remotely, like say during the... Um, the wine festival which we just had here a couple months ago right yes just, uh, last month actually and uh so he'll interview uh obviously a lot of uh local wineries like people come down from the okanagan or say uh ontario nova scotia which we had good representation this past uh festival 
and he'll also talk to uh, you know winemakers from all over the world that have come and because you know we have we're lucky we actually have a lot of good representation from a lot of wine regions mm. and um, I'm not like I've never been a super fan of his style I don't know there's such something about his delivery that I just just a little square yeah like yeah like you know no offense to him but um it's it's just it's just kind of a different style that yeah that maybe just because he's much older but uh but it, it's interesting you know because he'll broadcast right from the festival and you hear all the background noise of people mm. enjoying wines in the background or he'll often go to those it what it seems like are those industry tastings that oh, yes. the rest of us don't really make it out to right <laughs> So it's really cool because he'll talk to them and they'll talk about what they're doing and what's coming up and uh, what they feel is important about their wines to, to show to everybody. and and um, But I, I haven't been a consistent listener. Hmm. He's, he's actually also um, spoken a lot about, you know, how we have this antiquated, almost prohibition-era laws between our provinces, you know. Right you know getting wine from here and there and you know toronto apparently ex or ontario exports a lot of wine to alberta but it doesn't quite make it past the rockies you know right because <laughs> we have our own ridiculous kind of uh red tape i guess it is um and and you know like i was talking to vanessa your sister about about the fact that it, it's a shame that you know we can't just experience a lot of our provincial counterparts wine right why it's, is that it's easier to get wine up from chile or oh, yeah. argentina than it is to uh to get wines from ontario yeah so i don't know hopefully you know they started rolling with that but um it, it, it i don't think they've finished and when your sister and i were at that tasting at marquee for the loire valley wines uh we talked about that and i think your sister actually asked the host the sommelier who was pouring the wines and describing the the loire valley and and she said oh yeah don't get me started on that you know that kind of thing because <laughs> you look around the store we're amongst all these wine bottles everywhere yeah it's all bc for the bc section they're actually mostly import yes. they're, they're more about other countries wines but their their BC selection has grown, but there it um, but there's you know it's really hard to get Ontario and beyond, and it's it's I get the distance, but at the same time I think there's a lot of still some barriers to break down. Sure. And so T Terry Dev Morgan talked about a lot about that, and he's actually broadcasted the fact that he's he's kind of live podcast while he's driven across border uh, borders of pro provincial lines. I'm currently breaking the law, bringing this uh, in from Alberta to BC or whatever. Uh, it's it, <laughs> kind of a stunt, but interesting way to bring up something that needs to change. Right. So it's interesting um, what you were saying about the judge who mm. reached into his own personal experience. I think that is amazing. Um, that made me think of... Uh, Lisa Raitt, actually, of all people. Oh, okay. Our, one of our conservative MPs. Yes. Who's going for the leadership. Yes, her and 13 others, you know. They're goofs. Just a small little cohort of yeah. people. <laughs> well, she uh, recently announced that 
her husband has early onset Alzheimer's. Oh, really? Yeah, which wow. is really sad. That's so tough. Really tough. And, you know, she's had to decide, like, do I go for this? Do I go for being leader and maybe right. prime minister one day? Or do yeah. I, you know, and, but, you know, apparently they've decided that, no, she should go for the, go for it. Right. And they'll just manage, you know. And so obviously, uh, with my recent situation with my mother, um, it really rang true to me. And, you know, she has since, as far as I've seen, you know, obviously pushed for funding for home care for seniors and just having those resources available because she's just begun this journey, you know, and one that I've already basically gone through. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's, it's a tough thing. Uh, But like you were saying, it's people reaching into uh, things that affect them personally. And, it, and I think it, it helps, he, he, uh, I don't want to say humanize, because of course she's a human being, and she means well, whether you like her politics or not. Um, but she, it just goes to show that um, how apathy doesn't work and how black and white doesn't work. Right. So. Well, you know, I think about like I was saying to a, to a colleague at work about how you know this whole it's fascinating this whole process we we're talking about it the uh, medically assisted uh, uh, dying basically yeah right? like the um, it is the law in Canada the Supreme Court made it so there's legislation in place to try to en- enact it and there are. Uh, processes in place that are being implemented as to how to make it available to Canadians, right? And it's such a fascinating process of how you're doing this. And I don't remember all of it, so I don't even want to begin to try to articulate it on a podcast because I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> but but the, the, just of, the gist of it, it was like, it's an interesting... What's informing the policies and the procedures in place for it are a couple of things. You know, healthcare system values and principles legal values and principles because the the worst is a doctor does this the patient dies the family does not agree with what had happened and sues the doctor right because oh right right so so the process and the procedures in place have to take into consideration the 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 values of of delivering quality health care and access to health care to a patient the legal ramifications of whether or not you're not like the whole like it's it's, a, it's like uh, another manifestation of you know who wants to be a millionaire when, when Regis Philbin Philbin had to say is that your final answer that was such a legal requirement because they'll have to make sure you you could say yes right yeah and then that locks in 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 case you win the million dollars or you lose the million dollars and you sue them because that wasn't my final answer right like like that was a legal thing right right and then the fact that humans. Are unpredictable. Yeah, humans change their minds. So there's this triangulation that has to happen. That's a good point. Which is really fascinating. And I, um, when I think about the tapping into the human experience and how when we see it happen, how we we find it, we fed it so much, and because one because it happens so rarely, and two because we are hamstrung by a culture and a society that is all about order 
and rigidity and making rules like oh well what's the rule here what's the law right like like law is about the fact that everyone has to be so logical thinking all the time right like that's precedent well that was a decision made 50 years ago or you know evaluating the words of the constitution like well uh, what does the constitution have to say about drones well nothing Mm. it says nothing about drones right (laughs) because drones didn't exist you know like and Mm. but are you are you really going to limit yourself to the words on that paper and you know like you know like it's it, it there's a for some reason we've trained ourselves or we 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 value an ability to organize things in a certain way and i think there's got to be cultures out there and i i i truly believe i don't know truly believe like i hope i guess that that say our indigenous uh you know neighbors um maybe there's other asian cultures or that, that are much more organic about things like i think that like i often think about the stories that I often heard about our uh, about the Musqueam people who think about the land in a much more fluid way, right? There's not boundaries, right? sure, right? And like all everything that we know and think of is based on that British style of like, what's the rule? What's the what's the boundary here? You know, like mm-hmm. and like this prim and proper Britishness, right? Like that you see all the time in Downton Abbey and others. That comes again, right? In that in in my mind when I think about the fact that well, you know if if this lawmaker didn't have a personal experience, then they won't bring it to interpreting the law. And they're supposed to, if they do their job right, right, devoid themselves of any humanity. Yes. Right? And I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah. know if Any that, emotion, any... I don't know if that's actually doing your job. No. Like, I actually think that's not doing your job. Sure. Right? Like... Not so, having a pulse. Yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we got on top of this. But yeah, it's... it's I, I don't know. I, I think about that quite a bit, right? Like... But yeah, I didn't know that about Lisa Wright. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that was, you know, a good point to make about that. And, you know, you, you can't expect every politician to even think that with that much clarity. Yeah. You know, uh, there's there's so many I- ideologies that come into play. How do you know, uh, even, you know, with... Um, the uh, health care act that was supposed to be uh, voted on in the states today yeah. and it wasn't like it's it you know they always say oh it's about it's about like in trump's word everyone having coverage you know when he was saying during the campaign but <laughs> i was looking how long did it take us to mention the word trump it took us 22 minutes <laughs> that's actually not bad <laughs> Well, I was thinking that we'd probably hit a politics note because we've also got a... Uh... Well, when, when you made the choice when you turned left to politics and Lisa Ray instead of right into wine, because you could have gone to wine, uh, you know, and you chose that. I'm like, okay, we're going the politics route. I love it. <laughs> but sorry, Trump, healthcare. Yeah, Go. so <laughs> uh, it, it, to me, it just seems like, and you know, we were talking about this a bit before we got on the air, but... Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's all about scoring political points, it seems. Um, I know there's some down there that are worried about people losing, uh, their health care coverage. Um, you know, there's people like Bernie Sanders and others like that, some Democrats. But from the Republicans, you got this... Kind of wide, broad range of opinions, 
um, what they want to repeal and, and replace it with is, 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 is like really a hot debate right now. Like I've been watching on all the shows what they're talking about and what, you know, like what Rand Paul thinks. They keep asking Rand Paul because he thinks it's Obamacare light. light. And, yes. You know, it's, it's got stuff that needs to be removed. And, and uh, so I think that, you know, Trump... He's, he's, he's got this, he's got this all kind of figured out and no matter which way it goes, whether it's voted on or not, uh, voted forward or not, he'll have some way to answer for that, you know? Right. Which is really kind of crazy when you think that a lot of people have been saying the, the, um, the, the Trump supporters are the ones that are going to lose out the most, ironically. Right. You yeah. know? Um, I don't know how they know that, but there's uh, like certain regions of the country voted majority Trump versus you know Hillary Clinton, and if you look at some of the the programs that were going to be cut, they were affecting specifically some of those regions. That that's oh, okay. that's that's how they're at least from the uh, Congressional Budget Office numbers. Because yeah. I thought we were going to end up talking about tonight the result of his vote. Right. And yes. we could touch on it, and they didn't do it. Well, you know, and it's interesting, like, the whole... But when they pause the vote, I don't know when they're doing it. It sounds like you said in a couple of days, maybe. But there is a whole thing about... The headline in the New York Times I read on the app was, um, Trump says, vote for it now, or you're never going to get your health care. This is your only chance, then. Yeah. You know, and... And I cringe to say anything positive about Trump. I know! <laughs> and, and, and it's not really positive, but it kind of is maybe, is there is so much pettiness in what is the Republicans breaking themselves apart over whether or not they're going to support this new healthcare act and to repeal Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act. You know, like, to have someone as the president, and I truly believe him when he says, you know, fuck you, you either vote for this thing or I'm never going to, because in the end, he has to sign it, right? He can veto any fucking thing he wants. Mm. And so that's what he's basically, from my understanding, what he's saying. Like, <laughs> like you get your shit together, yeah. you vote for this shitty thing, <laughs> or you're going to shit forever and I'm not going to help you, right? And, <sighs> and sometimes, yeah. as a leader, you just need to give that tough love. And, but right. the problem is that he's using this card because it's a negotiation tactic, right? It's totally what it is, right? Like, they're, oh, shit, if we don't do this now, we'll never get, like, this guy will never let us do this, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, it's ballsy and it's great in that you actually, I believe that that's the, tr the truth. He will be so petty that if they vote this down and it's a loss to him as the administration, as Trump, he will never let them do anything else with healthcare. It will be dead to him. I truly believe that, and I think huh. that is a real threat. But the problem is, is this the, the hill you want to die on? I know. This, and that's where his paramount need to win at all costs overshadows what needs to happen as a, in a president is mm. someone who actually knows things yeah. and understands the ramifications of things. And, and that gets to another thing that I think... I want to raise is it was a conversation that Michelle and I were having just the other day about how often 
um, in academic in academic circles, people spend way too much time hypothesizing about why why are we doing this why why sure. you know yeah, yeah. and there's not a it's not a bad thing to constantly be reminded why are we doing something you know you know like why are we I don't know what I was gonna make some lame example but I can't think of one but you know like you know if you do things all the time the same way it's always good to ask every so often why are we doing this is there a different way right but at a certain point you just can't rest on your laurels of just oh let me think about why or you know and and you can have all these ideological reasons to answer the question why or, or you have a position which is what you know Rand Paul has as he calls it Obama light uh, Obamacare light but he really is saying that we have a certain vision of what healthcare should be, which is limited government, and it, that includes limited government in healthcare, right? Mm. But no one is spending enough time, Trump included, answer the question how. Like, yeah. How would you have limited government but still offer healthcare? Yeah. I mean, Trump himself said, how would you make sure every American gets healthcare and lower the cost of that? You know? <laughs> So, you know, so I think the how question never really gets answered, and that's what makes or breaks legislation. Like, yeah. if you're a legislator and you want to be a legislator, you've got to pretty well damn be obsessed by answering how. Sure. And everyone seems to be obsessed who's in Congress or elected official today about why. <laughs> like, why, you know, guides where you, how you would answer how. But at some point, you got to answer how. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, yeah. do the hard work. Well, the fact is, all those people in, in Congress, they actually spend most of their days dialing for dollars, huh? Have you heard yeah, about that? Yeah, well, that's... And, and one of them, one yeah. rogue guy, is trying to put through a bill that would limit how much dialing for dollars they do every day. Yeah, it's a, I, I forget that... I listened to it on a podcast or saw a documentary, but I can't remember what it was. I remember seeing or listening, not reading, well, about that whole thing, about how much time they spend in a day doing I, that. You know. uh, well, I saw it on 60 Minutes. Oh, maybe that's where I saw maybe. it. Maybe. Yeah, because I, I watch 60 Minutes every week. And I, I'll tape it, and I'll watch the stories I want to watch, because they are still some of those in-depth um, stories and they get the access they get that no one still no one else get you know mm. whether it's nuclear facilities or you know uh, uh, like uh, army you know navy type top secret stuff or whatever so they they were talking about that and the fact that it's a huge waste of resources and money for them to just sit there and try and getting um Getting, getting money so they can win their next, uh, stay in power and win, win, win again in the next two years or whatever. Right. Um, do you think that in, what year are we, 2017? Do you think in 2018 we're going to see a bunch of Republicans knocked out again? Or like kind of how th- that happened to the Democrats in 2010? Or do you think they're, they're going to hold on to a majority? Because um, the movement's starting now. Yeah, I... It's usually, I mean, if it takes any sort of normal cadence, there'll be a little bit of a dip for the Republicans, just because there's a bit of a shock with the Trump presidency, and that cadence might even produce a bigger dip. Mm. Um, 
But of course, you never know because everything's so out of whack these days, right? <laughs> um, and and the whole progressive side of the political spectrum, Democrats and further left, are in a little bit of disarray. They're trying to figure themselves out, right? Yeah. So will they be ready enough two years from now to, or a year and a half from now or whatever to, 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 to be organized enough to have, have that kind of a response? I don't know. Um, and even if the answer is no, is the, is the regularity of the voters disenfranchised with the current state of affairs will still vote the other way, right? So, um, saying all that, maybe, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, but I, to me it speaks to, like, it's it's kind of like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like, you can have um, a regular period of elections which then produces things like people have to make their phone calls, like 50% of their day is doing that, or whatever the percentage yeah. is, right? Like it's, Or you have lifetime appointments, and then you have people complaining about the Senate in Canada, right? And Or the, uh, the House of Lords in the UK, or, or judges who get lifetime appointments, right? Like, you know, like... Um, and so there's bad of that too, right? Like... Senators that sleep with 16-year-olds. <laughs> oh, my God. There was... I have to say, like, I have not watched This Hour Has 22 Minutes in a long time because I just find it, like, Canadian political humor is nowhere near as biting as... Yeah. And I'm They're getting a bit there. better right now. But there's been... I mean, I guess that's the The Kelly problem. Leach thing, yeah. Oh, my God. The... the um, Facebook has done them really well. They can take little snippets. Yeah. Like, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, they had this, yeah, the, the making fun of the Kelly Leach video was pretty funny. The uh, clip of um, Newfoundlanders doing curling, you know, oh. that was pretty funny. That's nothing to apologize, but it was also really funny. Um, and the one that was really on point was the um, uh, judge, uh, or like, you know, there was a thing about in, uh, this quiet neighborhood, and you think it's all fine, and suddenly a Canadian judge moves next door. Right? <laughs> and the, the stuff they, and it was such a short little clip. It was so on point about everything you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm going to find that. <laughs> yeah. That would be good to post. But yeah. So we've also got a uh, provincial election coming up. Yes. Yes. People are freaking out over uh, the money spent on ads. Yes, and there's an old clip of Chrissy Clark and opposition yeah. chastising the, the NDP for doing the same thing that basically they're being accused of doing, and that always happens. It's a it different always. story when you're in government than when you're in opposition. So. It, it is, it is, especially when you're um, railing against private education and then when you become premier, your own kids are in private education. Or the money being spent on it, rather, instead of public schools. Another classic. Uh, you know, I, I have very little energy to talk about the provincial election because I just... I My heart of hearts <laughs> tells me that we're up for another four or five years of the BC Liberals. We I are. Just, I just... I. Yep. I don't see it. I just don't see it switching over. No. Well, and, no one knows know. who the other party is. So they don't know who the leader is. And and how could you ask the Canadian, uh, the BC electors to, um, to all of a sudden put all 
their trust into a different party over the next four years when we haven't heard from them in like four years since the last yeah. election. <laughs> That's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. But... So how are your legs feeling? <laughs> I'm going to write BC election and that was a short one. And legs. Um, today they're feeling better. I, I've been able to walk downstairs straight ahead as opposed to on my side, you know, stepping sideways down the stairs, which feels a bit better for some reason. Right? Yeah, no, um, uh, my legs look damn good, because they're bulging. Yes. Um, they kind of look as good as they, they did when I was biking quite regularly, which I still need to get back to. Um, so I'm happy about that. But I am able to walk and stand, and, and you know, I still, um, have been able to park way far away from work and walk the you know uh, ten blocks to hit the, the office is fine you know it's okay. good but yeah no um, and the pictures that were posted online for the uh, the cap crusher which is the race that Sean's alluding to that we both ran on the weekend well I quasi quote in air quotes ran Sean actually did run um, <laughs> was a was a really good experience you know awesome. like yeah it was uh it was definitely a push um really glad that uh elaine planted that seed i know claire loves that she did it yeah which is our, our mutual friend claire who also ran it with us and uh she and i ran the 8k you ran the 13k um yeah no it was uh it was grueling like i have never even when we've done bunsen lake and other sort of trail runs not necessarily races even the five peaks cypress uh-huh. uh and any of those inclines i never felt what i did with cap crusher <laughs> i would climb up and i'm like god like my f- claire called her felt like she, she said her legs felt like jelly mine felt like lead <laughs> like i just could like i don't know how i'm getting one foot in front of the other to just climb still but i was able to do it but uh yeah that i've never felt that before (laughs) you guys did very well well hour 14 hour 15 that was that's really good (laughs) it was okay not like you mr 21st place (laughs) runner overall i know (laughs) i don't know if anyone heard that uh elaine's in the background saying not top 20. That sounds like Simone. Simone would say that to you. She would. She, <laughs> she's, Simone's probably really unimpressed right now. But <laughs> Yeah, I always, you know, knowing that I've been in the top 20 on numerous occasions, I keep thinking that, oh, I'll just sneak in there. But no, I, I didn't quite do it. I got passed by, uh, yeah, several people. But I actually passed a lot of people. Oh, I'm sure you did. I was kind of surprised. I didn't expect that, but... I noticed that um, there's a lot of people out there who do what I used to do, which is start really hot and just blast. Okay. And then next thing you know, when the sorry, my eyes are itchy, allergies. Um, next thing you know, when there's a big hike, and they're like, "Oh shit, I gotta slow down," right? Yes. Where I'm trying to even it out as much as I can. Yes. Throughout the race, and um, that's that's one of the hardest things about about it. Is to knowing. Were you um, fighting yourself? Were you 
were you like trying to go against your nature to slow it down or did or you got to that place where you can kind of keep an even pace and that feels okay to you oh yeah no that that i i got there okay yep it it had been since august since i raced and we're in late march so i i thought oh you know i'm kind of probably have to talk to myself a bit and tell myself to calm down or you know but i don't know i guess i've done it enough times now that when i when i start it feels like okay i know what this is about you know sure i feel confident about it and uh i can just go through and i i but i do even though i don't really pay attention to other people because it's just about myself i do i do kind of observe things that people do sure okay how they take certain stretches how they you know how, how they just approach the trail ahead of them and so i try to see if you know if i'm near a bunch of people like how am i going to do that and, um there's a couple parts where i almost you know flew off a couple of corners and stuff when I, on this wow. switching back and stuff but um where i was like oh, okay i need to tone it down a notch and um yeah, just going up those stairs, just brutal. Just brutal. Yes. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> it is a, a, a great course. Like, they, they, they plotted it out right and well. And, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I said to Claire, like, like, we had very different rhythms. And the one thing that saved me was that I, I was like you. I, I learned my lesson when I did Five Peaks. I just burned it. Yeah. Even when I did Tough Mudder, I kind of did a bit of burning, and I really shouldn't have. But for this one, I was definitely, like, just pacing myself. And so when I hit the wall, I didn't hit it so badly that I couldn't dig <laughs> enough out of me to finish, right? Yeah. Uh, and Claire was flipping it the other way, right? She had done a lot more longer distances training, or and, and she hit 5K and started to feel like, yes, now she's ready. And then she burned the last three kilometers really well. Uh, and I just went the exact opposite way, but yeah, if I did, if I had done, yeah, a bit of burning it at the front, I would have, would have totally like maybe do it, did not finish right kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was, um, that was really helpful to, to think about it in that paced kind of way. Uh, but I did fall and I, like, I don't know oh. if you can see it on here, but I have a little bit of a bruise that's oh. kind of turned a bit yellowish. I'm like, I guess this is my forearm. Is that what this is called? That's your forearm. And, um. Yeah, I have no, uh, I have no anatomy <laughs> training or education at all. I just know I've got fingers and toes and legs and. Wow, not even medical. <laughs> no, not even. It's not medical. <laughs> Unless you just come in and I know. be part of this. Uh, but um, but yeah, because I rammed my arm as I was falling down at oh. that view lookout to the where the dam, Cleveland Dam, actually is right, and you see the water coming down. Um, oh I, yes yes right it's like that landing that they've constructed right yeah because it was wet it was wood i yeah i was i stopped to turn to go up the stairs and as my feet didn't hold as mm. i made the turn i wiped out a little bit but i didn't hit my head or anything but i grabbed onto the railing with my left hand and then smacked it against the railing right, right. Like the wooden railing uh, i was right with claire too so thank god i didn't wipe her out or something <laughs> yeah but yeah i've noticed that in the last couple of days it's gotten a bit yellowish but uh... yeah cause she said she almost took a tumble as well oh really yeah i think you know it, it happens to 
like pretty much everyone, I think, you know, I almost, I don't know if this is you I was telling you, but I almost like flew down a set of stairs. Did oh. I tell you about that? No, I can't remember it. I just... During the race? Yeah. Oh, okay. There was a, a small set of stairs near the la- one of the last loops that we were doing. And I started down the stairs too fast and where I almost, like, I, I was doing doubles but instead of singles but i started to lose my footing a bit and i thought oh crap and i started to go threes and then twos and then ones like i, I was like right. i just lost my my rhythm yeah and i thought oh crap but somehow i didn't slide and i just caught my feet on something i didn't even know what i was stepping on because it was just going you know right. the momentum going downwards and I thought, oh no, here we go. But nope, somehow I hung on and then I ended up on ruined gr- uh, ground again. I think you did tell me that. I, I, you didn't tell me that it was that kind of detail, but you did say to mention that uh, on the race. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's when you when you mentioned to me the other day, that's when I mentioned when I saw a guy also coming down who was doing the 13K, not the 8K. I was going up the stairs and he literally, probably the same experience as you, but actually, he no, he wasn't. On the stairs, he was next to the stairs. He went on the the, the trail of yeah. them itself because probably he just wanted to avoid the steps, right? Yeah. And he fully fell. Oh. And I think that's what I said to you the other day. I'm like, I had never seen such a professional fall in my life. <laughs> yeah. He he literally tucked into a position, made sure his head didn't hit anything, rolled once, and then got back up and kept running. Amazing. And that happened all within, like, half the time it took me to describe it. <laughs> yes. and, and like I said to you at the time, I was going to, I said, are you, and I really, yeah. barely even said I, or are, I think, are yeah, you. Yeah, are you. And then he was gone. <laughs> Just gone. That is funny. I remember you saying, yeah, that and was funny. that to me tells, like, to be part of a, an experience where you have that kind of talent. Yeah. Um. And you're like a little bit of a fraud doing it, no, but no. like you know, you finish and you get you like it. It makes you like, yeah, you know, maybe I, 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 I can do this. You're know, like, of course, you know, it's kind of it was that was kind of a nice realization for me. But well, I was just glad that you guys were doing it, and uh, it was it, it made it really special. And um, we'll find you know another one t- down down the road this year that you might be interested in, and. I know Claire is excited for the next one. So yeah, she is. Although she did stop text messaging after a while. <laughs> I noticed that because uh, I was like, "I sorry, I'm out," and then she didn't really respond after. But it's always I was looking at the course schedule for the the Gulf Mountain, the rest of them, and I'm like, now I know why Elaine suggested this one because this is the one that had the AK. Everything else, yeah, thirteen K is the smaller one, right? Yeah, I'm like, yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> Survival's fun, though. Like, when I did the 13 a couple years ago. Okay. But it was hot. Oh. And, you know, it was it was late May, but when it's sunny yeah. and you're up there, it, it starts to cook. You know, I thought the conditions, I mean, yeah, you mean you're waiting around a little bit, and I know Claire was a bit cold, and, and it was yeah. a bit chilly, like... But it was probably like perfect conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Like I just, absolutely. I, I, 
I couldn't imagine it a, a better day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was good. Yeah. Uh, so we're at 47. Should we call it? Yeah. Let's... I feel it's a nice package of uh, of content for our listeners. Our Absolutely. Listener. <laughs> and uh, we got some tasty uh, pasta that you brought over and some wine that we're going to dip Yes. Oh, we should end by you describing the wine. Yeah. Okay. Tell so... us about the wine that we have had one glass of and we're going to continue to enjoy. Perfect. Yeah, we are drinking right now Graceland Cabernet Sauvignon from South Africa, 2009 vintage. Uh, it's a wine I've been holding on to for several years or more. And um, like I was saying, I first tried it at Hard House uh, years ago. Uh, had a glass and they, they uh, you know, I said, I think I even said, you know, I'd like to have a Cabernet Sauvignon. I Just a Cabernet Sauvignon, not a blend, not this, not okay. that, just a cab. And I, and they came over with this wine, and and they brought the bottle to show me, and and I thought, oh, this is really good. It's uh. It it's I just. Although it's not even the smell or taste, I just love the color. This is dark red, but it's got a little bit of kind of brick in it. It's got, it's got this kind of, almost kind of orange tinge to it um it 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 smells great it's got this nice kind of rhubarby kind of fennel-y kind of smell on the nose the dark cherry and the cassis when you taste it and it's just it's it's a little smoky it's got some pepper it's i don't know i'm really digging it and we're decanting the rest right now yes so we uh, aerated a couple of glasses to get us started. And so when they brought it, like, did they bring out a couple of options? Or they said, this is from what you want, and this is what we recommend, and you just tried it, and you're like, yeah, let's go with that? Is that how that worked? worked or did you? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I, because, you know, our friend Ed had been working there for a number of years as the general manager, and um, I think he was there that day, because it was close to Christmas, but one of his uh, colleagues at the time brought it over and uh and i whenever we had gone there when ed was working there whenever i had a, a glass of wine or a cocktail i would just leave it up to them mm. so when i was raving about how good i thought it tasted then they're like oh well we'll show you the, the bottle so you know mm. and i went out and got one hey. so here we are so was it hard to find, or was it in the liquor store, nor like the the government liquor? Do you have to go to a more of a specialty one? Nope it it's in the government stores, oh, okay. like Good. at least thirty ninth and Canby, and um. Oh right, yeah, that's the big one. That's the big one, and I think I've seen a couple other places, but it's actually pretty well known, uh, for wines that we import from South Africa. It's oh, okay. one of the bigger producers, and um. Okay. I've seen it reviewed, I've seen it advertised, you know, in tastings and things, and, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really happy with it, and hopefully you enjoy, keep yeah, enjoying it. Yeah, it's very tasty. It smells great. Yeah, the can't pick awesome. up all the things you've talked about, and being colorblind, I didn't even notice the red brick in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you, know, you know, sometimes when you look at, a, a like, a heavier red wine, you'll get this almost kind of inky, almost purple kind of color okay not what this one is okay i mean it's it's obviously kind of 
kind of hard to explain what I, what I mean by brick, but it's it's obviously uh, dark red, but there's this kind of texture to it by sight that it's it, it, it's got nuances of other colors in it. It's really hard to explain, but that's what I read when I look at it anyway. Mm. Yeah. Dang. There's so many different shades of red in red wine. It's crazy. And especially when you think of how the thickness or cloudiness of it, um, you know, lighter reds, you can see through it, you can, which is great, but you know, it's obviously a different grade, but, um, and, and, you know, it might be like a, a light red or, really like a cherry red these wines these calves are just like dark red thick mouth coating the tannins are, are there but they're not super strong which is nice so you're not puckered um so i think it's a very well balanced wine okay. not an overbearing finish it just goes down well but it it's uh it's just really enjoyable wine to drink so uh, we'll post about that too. Yeah, well, apologies to anyone who's listening who's loved this wine. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I started, so I'll let you close it off. Okay, well, uh, thanks for listening to Dot Matrix. And, um, uh, you or can... AKA It's Been a While. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's right. I, it was on the tip of my tongue, yeah, but uh, we, we're always joking how it's always. It has always been a while since we last do one, and we're averaging every three to four months right now. So uh, we'll, we'll hope to do more frequently in the future. And um, and uh, you can find us on iTunes or the thedotmatrix.com. Uh, we post on Facebook. Look us up, The Dot Matrix, and um, we'll take it with It's Been a While. <laughs> Hashtag. All right. Okay. Enjoy listening to all those other pa- podcasts that Justin and I mentioned, and as well as our own, hopefully. And until next time.